0: my listeners we are back so we were with us last week you will remember that we started the segment with an arts overview of what we have kind of read watched and listened to it in the week so um last week we touched on the queen's gambit and catcher in the rye so truly what do you what do you listen to this week recently i found um it was actually last night i came across this australian singer songwriter her name is julia Jacqueline, and her oh. musical genre is kind of very much like indie folk indie pop and she released her debut album Don't Let the Kids Win in twenty sixteen then she followed that up in twenty nineteen with her album Crushing and also I did a book order this week so I got two books. The first one that came was Inside Vogue and it's like the diary of the then British Vogue editor Alexandra Shulman um during the run-up to the British Vogue's centenary edition in 2016. Um, and I also ordered the 1980s fiction novel, The Colour Purple by Alice Walker. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. So I just des- I kind of decided to start with that novel first. And it's really widely acclaimed and it's garnered so much praise over the years. And actually, Steven Spielberg directed the film. Like he did a film adaptation of it in the 1980s oh. as well. So it's like garnered loads of coverage. Um, and the novel is set for the most part in rural Georgia and it kind of focuses on the life of African-American women in like the southern United States in the 1930s um, so Seely is the protagonist and she's 14 years old and she's like victim to like an unimaginable, unimaginable level of abuse and disrespect at the foot of like various social and cultural issues as a black woman in South America yeah. and she falls pregnant at the foot of her father's abuse And she has two children taken away from her. And then she's like forced into an arranged marriage and she like suffers more abuse, physical and verbal. So I'm about a quarter of the way through now. And so far, like it's seriously lived up to the good reviews. And it's really interesting because she writes it as an epistolary. So it's like a collection of diary entries and she addresses each entry to God. So make it that
1: what you will. Oh, mysterious. Yeah, it's really good. Do you think you'll have that read by next week? Uh, pressure's on now, isn't it, Claire? Okay, maybe the week after, we'll expect a review of that book from uh, Trudy. So I just decided that I was going to get fully into the Christmas vibe this week. So over the past, like, two weeks, I've managed to watch seven out of the Harry Potter movies. And you wonder why you leave your assignments to last minute. I know, it's terrible. But I I don't know, there's something about the Harry Potter movies that are so Christmassy. But also, um, The Crown is has been very topical Mm -hmm. yeah I started it yeah you started it from the very beginning I just watched the um the the first episode of the fourth season oh season four yeah did you progress any further than the first episode no not yet I don't know because I feel like you have to be in the mood for it yeah it's very
0: like based on the time period that it is set in and all the kind of connotations like historically you really have to you can't, it's not something you watch passively you really have to actively watch it know who the characters are like you have to be in the mood for it I think.
1: Yeah exactly but even then there, there was like a full scene in the first episode which was just about like horse riding and it was like oh but it was it shot really well like the acting in it is obviously like amazing it's crazy how well they got um the main actress to look like Diana and stuff like that she like really embodies her and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think maybe I will tune in again. I think I will. I just need to get into the mood for a bit of serious drama.
0: Yeah, that's one thing. I actually started the car myself as well, and I'm just kind of finished episode two. And one thing I noticed, and I commend so highly, is the set design and the costume design. Like, I was reading about where they placed Buckingham Palace because obviously, like, the Queen wouldn't open up the Buckingham Palace, but they placed it, I think it was, yeah, Lancaster House in London. Um, it's kind of a government building now, but it was built in the 1820s and the likes of Shakespeare performed his play there and Elizabeth I was born there. So like it's just even the set that they chose for it is so steeped in its own time period and history. Like it just I think at every corner that show is just so highly commendable
1: yeah it, i yeah i think i will actually tune and you just get a really good review there and i think i'm gonna, definitely gonna watch it again we will move
0: on and we have a very very special segment this week a lot of things come natural to claire with sports justice in one of them mm-hmm. so we caught up with sports expert and self-declared guyhead alana conan a dcu student and budding sports journalist and we think that she did a good job at aligning Claire's sporting knowledge. And so we put both Claire and Alana's knowledge to the test with a round of questions to see how much or how little they each know. Let's just see how they got on. Are you ready, Claire? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Ready for this. Okay. Actually not a sports expert, Alana. Did we get hit the wrong
1: Alana? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you meant to contact Alana P, not Alana
0: C. <laughs> <laughs> What county is referred to as the Rebel County? Claire? Oh, that's easy. Oh, thank It's in Sligo.
1: Oh, my God. No, it's not Sligo. It's not Sligo. What
0: does a nutmeg refer to in soccer? Claire? <sighs> is that the
1: thing that they know that's. Don't um, even go there, please. <laughs> Claire, you know this. Claire, you have to know this, I think. A feel. nutmeg. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of a lovely festive winter spice. That's all I can think of. Um, oh my God.
0: What would a hookup refer to in major sports such as American football? Is it when a row breaks out between the two teams, when one player passes the ball to another, or when a player hangs up his boots and retires? Option C. So when a player hangs up his boots and retires. Yeah. <laughs> you okay. feel like that one? Yeah. It's in the gut. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sure. I'm going to go with um, option B. I think it's when they get the ball and they like pass it forward, but they pass it in like a hook shape. Right. Question 10. Drum roll, please. <laughs> go Mike on. Tyson has garnered what nickname for himself? Steel, iron, gold, or rock? Um. So the others are steel, iron, gold. I'm going to say steel. Steel, yeah, okay. Alana, what do you think? Um, I also don't know that one. <laughs> I would say steel. Steel, okay. Pretty. <laughs> I'm sorry to both of you, but the answer is actually iron. What? And that's doing the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want to know your points? Yeah, play it on. Yeah, give us the points. Okay, Alana, you got seven out of 10. Claire, you got four out of ten. You know
1: April. what? Do you know what, Claire? I think, I think that was very respectable. Thank you. Not fairness.
0: That was some good quiz, quizzery we just did there. Okay, so that was our segment. Claire unfortunately lost the lead by three points on our sports quiz with Alana Conan, the self-declared guy head and the sports lane presenter on mm-hmm. DCFM. So, Claire, have you hung up the
1: boots yet with the sports? Oh, God. That, that quiz was rough, but I think I got through pretty well, in fairness to me.
0: Yeah, you 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 got through. You didn't exactly get through with a win, but you you got through. You survived.
1: I don't think I embarrassed myself too much, so it wasn't too bad.
0: Last week, we touched on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here's 20th edition. It was the first week running and now I suppose that we're another week we're two weeks in now nearly so the the trials are you know they've all been presented they've all been put through we're left with this is kind of the stage where you judge the kind of top four top two people and I think last night's episode Claire it was good in the sense that we saw Shane Ritchie go
1: for a solo trial and I
0: thought he did quite well in that what did you think?
1: I think that was a really easy trial. Do you not know think? Like the one bit was the tarantulas in the box in his head. But I think like there was one stage where he was walking through frogs. Yeah,
0: I know. I thought that as well. The bit he panicked on, I think his personality added to it. Like I bet if there was if it was Mo Farah doing it, he would have been a lot calmer. But the fact that it was Shane and he's, you know, a TV personality, a comedian, he hyped it up a lot and that kind of is what made me feel like it was more difficult than it was. Whereas if you put someone else in that trial, they probably wouldn't have freaked out as much as he did.
1: Yeah, I don't know Truly, like there, it's been going on for two weeks. And I just don't think there's much to show for it. Like nothing's really happened except for kind of a few kind of cracks that are starting to show. So two nights ago, um two contestants came back from a trial and they only got six stars between them. And basically Shane Ritchie and then Vernon Kay. Talking amongst themselves and saying, like, oh, they're definitely going to be kind of voted in for tomorrow's trial, or they were just kind of saying, like, oh, they're kind of going to be picked on now. And her and Jordan are kind of the same, like, cut from the same class. I think that's the said, and yeah, and literally, she got picked for the trial then, so it was kind of like a bit of karma. But that's literally the only thing that's happened that's kind of divisive. Like, they I know it is good that they all get on, but. I think a lot of people are starting to come to the conclusion that it's a bit boring and nobody's really tuning in because it's just it is just a bit boring. Like there's nothing really that exciting going on. There's some news stories actually coming out um that the Welsh authorities are kind of concerned of the the non-natural wildlife and the, like it affecting the like the native ecosystem. So there was actually like a guard investigation of if, the, if this is affecting the ecosystem um so that's kind of one thing but that's not really to do with the show either and also it's kind of come to the the light that um that the all the all the trials are shot in studios like it's it's not part of the castle or anything like that it's like in this big tent and it's all just a studio as well so I don't know, there's just something it's not really that exciting. like if you were miss if you were to miss it, I don't really know why you would want to catch up on like a catch up service or anything like that. So, yeah, Trudy, what do you think?
0: That's a really good point, and I didn't actually know it was shot in the studio, but I did figure the fact that they were out from the jungle, you know, it's in a Welsh castle. Like so, I mean, there's only so much they can do in terms of wildlife and kind of making it that natural effect. So that does make sense, but that's such a good point as well. Um, that like it's kind of worrying for the ecosystem there.
1: Yeah, because imagine like a tarantula got out and into the wildlife and did something. Yeah, and
0: the climate and everything like it doesn't suit that those type of animals. We have our story of the week segment. So, Claire, do you want to start with that one?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, this story comes from the U.S. So Mm -hmm. you know it's going to be a bit wild, but uh, it's basically this this COVID nurse from South Dakota. She basically went viral for a tweet that she posted. Her name's Jody Deering, and uh, she basically said that working on the COVID ward is like a horror show, and just that because it's not for the reason you would think. It's because people go into the ward with COVID, very obviously have COVID, and all of a sudden they kind of, they just believe that they don't have COVID and they're kind of angry at the nurse and they're completely denying it that they have COVID and they're not using the time that they have to like call their families or, or make contact with anybody. Before, and then they just pass away, always denying that they had COVID and like coping was something else like the flu or pneumonia, but pneumonia because they just... They just can't believe that they could possibly have COVID. And I just thought that was obviously horrible. she, she did, uh, Jody did a, a an interview on CNN. And it was just, it sounded horrible that they were just completely denying it, even though that it was affecting their own health to that point, that they just could not admit to themselves that they would have COVID. So what do you think of that? why would I don't
0: understand why they were denying it in the first place like was it that they were young and healthy or were these older people who you know were kind of denying the whole existence of COVID or what kind of people who
1: don't believe COVID is real so and they have COVID but they don't believe it's real so they think they don't have COVID because they don't think COVID exists
0: I think when anything like this comes out in terms of a vaccine in terms of anything that affects the entire population there's always going to be people that are kind of you know those cynics and they don't believe it's real they don't trust the science behind it they would rather believe their own instincts and intuition and sometimes that's just not the case because when there's science backing these things you can't exactly have a grounding to fight that off so I just think that's bizarre and especially I think sometimes we have these like prerequisitions where like these things we hear them happen in America and then they, but like they are filter now when they're happening in other places as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is something that was on a more global footing either.
1: Yeah, it is the way that um, all of a sudden you kind of think, oh, that's crazy. That's happening in America. And then you get like the Gem over here and it kind of, it comes to us eventually.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so my story is a little bit different than that. So I came across this really interesting article by Tani Sweeney. And she wrote a piece on the most dispiriting celebrity interviews she has ever conducted. So, like, granted, she didn't reveal their names, but she did speak at length and at breath of how she went to meet these celebrity interviewees, and you know, for the break of a, for the sake of a brief conversation that was really touching on the surface, heavy PR constraints. So she spoke about this story a couple of years back. So she got on a six am flight to the UK, and after lots of train travel time, she eventually met with this celebrity at five pm and the celebrity was accompanied by a publicist or a PR manager and they sat in on the interview the interview was 10 minutes long and Sweeney was like airing on the side of caution and she asked the star what their views on Brexit were and the publicist interrupted immediately and was like do we have to talk about politics so she had to scrap that and she came back to the office the story wasn't newsworthy she cut and run it and so the whole flight was a fire. it was pointless um and then she, what I liked actually the most and what I found was most interesting is she mentioned famous celebrity interviewer, Claire, you probably remember, Letta Powell-Drake. Yeah. Yeah. And she was really known for her like, unscripted approach to interviewing in the 70s and 80s. And like she was recognised for her ability to get away with, you know, really personal questions and digging into the celebrity skin. And so I looked up Leta Powell-Drake's interviews and I'll actually play a snippet from it for listeners to kind of get an idea because it's just, it seems so foreign to what we know now of yep. an interviewer, so I will get it up
1: for ye. But you weren't a model. No. What size are you? Um, Tom, how do you kiss underwater without bubbles coming out of your nose and mouth? Let me ask you, how would you feel as a mother if your daughter were involved with your former love? Personally, how how would you react to something like that? You don't consider yourself a great actor, do you? Isn't it mad? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I just the the bit from the article, and she was kind of saying that instead of the journalists and the interviewers being feared by the celebrities, they were more equals back then, and it was yeah. like less pretentious between them. Absolutely, that, they were seen as peers as
0: opposed to you know the opposition. Yeah, that I know. Yeah, it, it, it seems like a foreign world to us now, but like she like, those Hollywood interviews she does, like, it's just her approach, is just seems so far into what we know now, and, like, that was back when the time when PR constraints weren't that heavy, and, like, you know, the publicists yeah. and the people that accompany these celebrity interviewers and interviewees, like, they didn't have the power that they have now.
1: Yeah, it wasn't all about image and, like, being careful of what you you're saying and stuff. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we can move on to our treasured segment,
0: and me and Claire like to say that we have our two pence to share when it comes to flamboyant words so Claire what is our word of the week this week our word this week is visceral oh yeah visceral feeling yeah um yeah it's very like intuitive it's like a gut feeling
1: yeah so I got the timer going you have the timer set ready
0: go okay so when I was really young I had this visceral feeling that um I would be able to ride a bike by the time I was six and although it was really visceral I then said it to my mother and she said that she didn't have that same visceral feeling as my visceral feeling so then I decided I would cycle my bike without you know the stabilizers and (laughs) Where
1: where did that come out of that well, that came from the heart. That came from a visceral feeling. Honestly, <laughs> did that pull at your heartstrings? That pulled at every heartstring I've got left. <laughs> um, okay, oh.
0: what did I get? How many times did I say visceral?
1: You said visceral at least six times. I'm gonna say so that was very good.
0: Okay, so that kind of puts me up from last week. So last week our word was scintillating, and scintillating means a bright or clever idea. So Claire, you have you have some beating to there.
1: I know, I do, I do. Uh, I actually have no idea what I'm going to say. Hold on. Uh, No,
0: no, no. Timer starts. Five, four, three, two, one, go.
1: I went uh, to a restaurant and I had this visceral feeling that I wanted to order some quiche. But viscerally, I felt that the quiche wouldn't be nice. So instead, I ordered pizza. But then the waiter came over and he viscerally said that... There was no way that I am Time's nobody. So <laughs> that was terrible. Okay, I'm not even gonna
0: sugarcoat that one. You got visceral three times. Oh god, turn you on. You've won. You've won, you won. Okay, we're gonna go to a another song break. Um, we're gonna put Julia Jacqueline back on the mic. Okay, that was Julia Jacqueline. Don't let the kids win. Did you like that one, Claire? Yeah, that was a nice one. Mm, yeah, she's so super talented. And for anyone that has just tuned in, um, that's Julia Jacqueline, an Australian singer-songwriter, and she's kind of in the genre of indie folk, indie pop. Um, So that does it for this week's installment of Limelight. You can follow us on Instagram at DCU Limelight to keep up with all our shenanigans. And we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm where we have you some brand new cultured content. Claire, my good friend, I'll see you
1: next week. See you next week, Trudy.